We say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'm grateful that our son Samuel was able to be here and his wife Chanti. If you have not met them, today is your opportunity. I'm grateful to see Brother Moses Primo. I think he was here earlier. I don't know if he stepped out. He uh, had surgery, is, is, is in recovery. So we encourage you to continue to pray for Brother Moses. And uh, many of you have noticed that Brother Ian has returned, praise the Lord, graduated from the College of Evangelism at Amazing Facts. Praise the Lord. Pray for him as the, the Lord uses him. Also grateful to see Maxime and his family. They come. And uh, I have not seen him in a long time, so I am not sure if that is Sasha. Is that Sasha? Yes, and his wife and children. Welcome back. He had been gone to Russia for a while. A few years. How many years? Ten years. Praise the Lord that he's back. And every one of you, welcome. Welcome to God's house of prayer. Uh, you may have noticed the title of the message. We are not going to talk about questions that people have. We're going to talk about questions that are in the Bible. And the Bible provides the answer. As I'm reading the Bible, I saw these questions. I said, wow, that's a great question. And most of the questions in the Bible have the answer right there. There are a few questions that I do not. Like Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And he walked away. He didn't wait for the answer. You also remember the question that Satan asked Eve. Has God really said you shall not eat from every tree of the garden? That's a good question. But I have selected some questions. There are many. And we're going to look at these after we have prayer. So I encourage you to pray for me and pray for everyone here and everyone that will join us from wherever they are. Hold a moment while I drink some water. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we thank you because your love for us is beyond measure. We thank you that we can come before you with confidence, knowing that you will not reject us, knowing that you want to hear from us. And in this moment, Lord, we ask for your blessing. The blessing of your Holy Spirit. I place myself aside, and I ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit and speak to your children. We pray for a message from heaven, and we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The first question takes us to the Garden of Eden. And there in the Garden of Eden, we notice that Eve was tempted Adam was tempted, and after they sinned, the Bible doesn't really reveal what took place with the serpent, the devil, but it appears that he went off to celebrate his victory 
and that God came in upon the scene. So I invite you to go to Genesis chapter 3. Let us go to Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, to see the first question that we, were, we are going to talk about today. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. If you had given thought to this before, you will understand that this is not the first time that God comes upon the scene walking through the garden to have a, a time with Adam and Eve. The reason you can come to this conclusion is because Adam says, I heard your voice in the garden. He knew the voice of God. And he became afraid because he was naked. And here we see in verse 9, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So we see this first question. Where are you? Did God have to look for Adam and Eve before? No. When they heard him in the garden, they came out to meet him before. But now circumstances have changed because they have disobeyed God. They were what? Hiding in the garden. Afraid of the circumstances. Because the circumstances, it was that if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, what was supposed to happen? They were supposed to die. But God came with a message of mercy. You see, it wasn't that God was appealed to by Adam and Eve. It wasn't Adam and Eve looking for God when they sinned. It was God looking for Adam and Eve. So this you have in verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God took the first step to bring the good news of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So... God asked the question to Adam and Eve, where are you? And I ask you today, where are you? Are you right with the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord, following the Lord with all your heart? Or are you leaving some things aside that you know you should be doing? So where are you? And I hope that today, if you're not 100% with the Lord, you will be. Let's move to John chapter 10, verse 10. Because here we see that what God says he will do. What God says he will do. In John chapter 10, we have a declaration by Jesus Christ. It says, 
The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Praise the Lord. So what he said in the Garden of Eden, he came to do. To seek and to save that which was lost. Are you lost? <laughs> Jesus is seeking you. And I thank God that he has not given up on me. He has not given up on this human race. There's hope for us. Who says amen to that? There's hope for us because of God's great mercy. Let's move to the next question. We go to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 18 and 19. Notice the question here. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgiveness, the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? Praise the Lord. Does he do that? Does he pardon sin and forgives transgression? Yes, he does. How many are grateful for that? Amen. If you have sins and transgression, iniquity is part of your life. Praise the Lord. Look unto God because there's no one like him. He pardons. It says here, you do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. God delights to show mercy. And he wants to have mercy upon you. He delights to do that. It says, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Praise the Lord. Or do you prefer the other one? That God does not do that. That he doesn't pardon your sin. That he doesn't throw them into the depths of the sea. How about if he places them on Facebook for the whole world to see? How many want that? Raise your hand if you want that. Nobody. We want our sins to be forgiven. We want our sins to be cleansed. We want God to cast them and hurl them into the depths of the sea. I thank God for his infinite mercy. There's no one like him. And, I take, and now, now we go. The last words were, he hurls all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Now we're going to talk about the sea. In a different scenario, when Jesus told the disciples, let us go to the other side of the river. And Jesus was very tired. You see, the Bible says, that sometimes Jesus, or perhaps it was every day, he gets up early in the morning before the sun comes out and he goes to a place apart to pray. It had been a long day. And Jesus was very tired. So while they are in this boat, a storm comes. But Jesus is so tired that even thunder does not wake him up. I know some people that even thunder does not wake them up. So here in this, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. 
Verse 35 is where we begin. It says, on the same day when evening had come, it's dark, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. So picture the scene. These are disciples. They are expert fishermen. They know how to work with the boat. But this is a storm. And I don't know if you consider yourself, I can handle any problem the world throws at me. But there are some problems you will not be able to do on your own. You need the, the help of the Lord Jesus. And these disciples, as much as they tried, the boat was filling up. And it came to the point that they realized we are going to die. It says the boat was filling up. So now the panic of trying to keep the boat on top of the water becomes fear that the boat will sink with them in the water. I don't know what kind of problems you're facing. That perhaps you're thinking your boat is about to sink. But you must remember that Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Let's look at why. Why? So here, we go to verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him. I don't know what kind of awakening that was. I mean, if you're desperate, you're going to make sure this person wakes up. They awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? It was a desperate cry for help. And it wasn't just one individual. It says they awoke him. It wasn't one person that said, I think I'll go wake up Jesus. They awoke him. You can picture the scene, all of them around Jesus. Don't you care that we perish? Why aren't you doing something to keep us from sinking in this water? I don't know what they were expecting. But it was beyond what they were expecting what took place. And this is what Jesus can do. When you're going through troubles and difficulties... You want deliverance, but please understand that he can do more than what you can imagine. And it says in the Bible, as we consider this question, do you not care that we are perishing? John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Does Jesus care? He came from heaven to rescue you. This 
was a moment of life and death. Yes, Jesus cares. And so the Bible says in Mark 4, 39, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Praise the Lord. What happened? And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I praise the Lord that as we look at this story, Jesus does not stop to say, Hey, what are you waking me up for? I'm just trying to rest here. Can't I just get a little rest? He didn't even stop to answer their question. Because sometimes we know that actions speak louder than words. He could have said, well, yeah, I, I care for you guys. But actions speak louder than words. And Jesus stood up and he did this great miracle. Praise the Lord. And just as he did this miracle about this storm, whatever storm, whatever problem you're going through, Jesus can handle it. In fact, the Bible tells us in John 14, 27, that he cares so much about us that he offers something we cannot get anywhere but through him. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Are you going through trouble? Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in the Lord, and he will take care of whatever situation you're facing. But there is another question in this narrative, and that is found in verse 41. Let's take a look at it. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, why are they fearing exceedingly? The storm is now calm. Because they had never seen anything like this. And Jesus can do things you have never seen before. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Now in the New King James Version, it says, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Exclamation point. In the King James Version, it is a question. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Question. He's the almighty God. So let me share with you some of the things that we find in the scriptures about Jesus. Just a little bit. Because there are many things about Jesus in the Bible. He is the Alpha and the Omega, Revelation 1.8. The Lamb of God, John 1.29. The Good Shepherd, John 10.11. The Chief Shepherd, 1 Peter 5.4. A Living Stone, 1 Peter 2.4. 
The Bible says, He is our advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2. He is the author of eternal salvation. Hebrews 5, 9. Do you say amen to that? He's the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35. If you go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you will find that he is wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Romans eleven twenty six. he is the deliverer. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. He is the true and eternal God, 1 John 5.20. He is the faithful witness, Revelation 1.5. He is also faithful and true, Revelation 19.11. Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10, he is our high priest. Mark 1.24, holy one of God. The horn of salvation, Luke 1.69. Light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5, 5. The mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 9, 15. Also, we find in John chapter 1, verse 41. He is the Messiah. The anointed one. Isaiah 59, 20 calls him Redeemer. And the Bible says in Mark 10, 33. He's the son of man. But in Mark chapter 5, verse 7, you will find that he's the son of the Most High. John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And in John eleven twenty five, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you need a deliverer and you need life, Jesus is the answer. There was a man that came to Jesus, and his story is found in Luke chapter 18. Which brings us to our next question. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 18, we have a question asked of Jesus. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Is that a good question? That's a good question. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Here's another question. No one is good but one that is God. Are you calling me good, in other words, because you think I am God? Why do you call me good? But Jesus did not wait for the answer. He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. It wasn't many. It was one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. 
But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. He forgot who gave him the riches. And he loved riches more than he loved God. So what do I, what do we need to do to inherit eternal life? What would Jesus say to you? Will he say you need to give this up or this up? I don't know what it would be for you. Perhaps there's maybe someone here that Jesus will say the same thing he said to this man. Sell what you have. Perhaps there's somebody here filthy rich and I don't know. But it may be that money is your God. You see, Jesus went to the where his heart was, where your heart is. That's the problem. If there's something in this world that you love more than God, we need to give that up. Because if you love something more than God, then that is your God. So please, allow Jesus to give you victory and to help you give that up. And this is why we go to the next question. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 contains our next question. And this is what the Bible says. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So Paul is talking about his own experience, things he was not able to control. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? He understood that he could not do it. And it says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the, serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. But the answer to the question, who will deliver me from this body of death? The answer is found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when Jesus told this man that asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus mentioned to him the commandments because the commandments help us understand what is sin. And so we are going to ask you a question. It's not exactly in the Bible, but here's the question I ask you. Because the verse says, there's no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. Well, what does it mean to walk according to the flesh? There is an answer in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. This is what it means to walk according to the flesh. Beginning in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. There's a commandment that talks about that. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, 
Does anybody say, well, that's me. Anybody say, so far, that's me. You don't have to raise your hand. But perhaps one of these things is the issue with you. It continues in verse 21. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, there are more things. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you practice those things, the idea of practicing means it's your habit. This is stuff that you do. You look for opportunities to do these things. And there are many things there. And you know, they mention some things that perhaps people may not notice. Envy, hatred, wrath. Sometimes people express their wrath with words and actions. And sometimes the wrath is inside the mind. And this has been mentioned here before. If I could only put my hand around the neck. In the mind, you can, if I could only put my hand around the neck. Squeeze. So this, these are issues. But the verse also said, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does it mean to walk according to the Spirit? In Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22, some of these things are mentioned. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. So there's no condemnation if we walk with Christ Jesus. So the next question takes us to Isaiah 33, beginning in verse 14. Isaiah 33, beginning in verse 14, we move to our next questions. It says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. And here's the question. Who among us shall dwell with, ever, with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? This is the question. Who among us here will dwell with devouring fire. Because the Bible says our God is a devouring fire. Who among us will dwell with everlasting burnings? And the answer is given in beginning in verse 15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who despises the gain of oppressions. Who Gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. Are you shutting your eyes from seeing evil? He will dwell on high, this person, these people. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him and his water will be sure. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. What land is that? 
our heavenly home. Who wants to see the king in his beauty? Half of you. Praise the Lord for half of you. Who wants to see the king in his beauty? <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. And by his grace, we shall abide with him. Matthew chapter 16 brings us to the next question. Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the King James Version because here it is placed as a question. New King James is a statement. The Pharisees, beginning in verse 1, Matthew 16, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And Jesus says to them, O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? I selected this passage because, brothers and sisters, we are living in the time of the end. The signs indicate that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Are you able to discern these signs? Can you see that the world is not the same? The world is not the same. Signs indicate that Jesus Christ is coming soon. You can go through Matthew 24 and go through the list of signs that Jesus mentions there. And yes, fulfilled, 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 fulfilled. Jesus Christ is coming soon. And we need to be ready for his coming. And so we read before, O wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? The answer is Jesus Christ. Our next question is found in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53 brings a very interesting question. In Isaiah 53, the question is found in verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This question, who has believed our report, is because of what is mentioned after verse 1. Because it seems like, wait a minute. Are you saying that the Son of God in heaven, the one who is worshipped and praised and songs are sung about him, that he's going to allow sinful human beings to do this to him? Who can believe this report? And the question is valid even for today. Because people seem to be walking around and, and living as if they are taking deep roots in this world. Deep roots in this world. And it seems that by their words and actions, they don't believe that Jesus came to die for them. And they think that all there is in life is this present world. So enjoy whatever is available to enjoy. But Jesus came to die 
for each and every one of us. And so we continue reading. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He's talking about Jesus. He has no form or comeliness. And we, when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But verse 5 tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Have you stopped to consider this verse? That he was wounded for our transgression. But it's a personal question we have. To, he was wounded for my transgressions. Jesus was wounded for my transgressions. Jesus was wounded for your transgressions. He was bit, beaten. He was afflicted. He suffered a death that was horrible because of our sins. And it says in verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise the Lord. That Jesus was willing to take my sins upon him and die for me. Praise the Lord. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. This is speaking of the fact that Jesus willingly sacrificed himself for us. He didn't say, no, I don't want that guy's sin. I don't want her sins. No, no, that one. No, no, no. He took all of our sins. He took your sins. Died on the cross for them. And it says that he didn't open his mouth to complain. But there were times when he did open his mouth while on the cross. And we're just going to take a look at a little portion when Jesus speaks. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 and 46. There is a question there that we are going to look at. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? It's a question. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus feel forsaken? Because 
when he took our sins upon him, he could not feel the presence of God the Father. And yet, the Father was there. But Jesus took our sins upon him. And he faced a death that seemed without hope. So he had to face this suffering and the fact of taking sins upon him as if it was the final end. No hope of seeing the Father again. And so that question directed to the Father was an expression of anguish and suffering that we do not understand. Because Jesus knows when he's dying on the cross that the Father could hear his thoughts. He knows that. But it is such a cry of anguish that he just expresses this in these words. And I am thankful that they are recorded in the Bible for us to read that Jesus was willing to do this for us. For us. Do we deserve it? No. No. But because of his great love, he did it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it's not a question, but a fact of the experience of Jesus. It says, for he, that is God the Father, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is one more verse in Isaiah 53 that we need to read. It is verse 8. Isaiah 53, verse 8. It says, He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. Why? For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For his infinite goodness and kindness and love that he was willing to do this for you and for me. I am struggling with leaving this out or not. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Some did not say amen. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 37 brings a question to us that we need to consider. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. In the Bible, sometimes you will find God asking questions. But in the Bible, you'll, you'll find people asking questions. The Apostle Paul asked many good questions. But here, God is asking a question. And the person he was asking the question to gave the right answer. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out, into, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord 
and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Wonderful question. And he gave the right answer. So I answered, Oh Lord, you know. You know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We'll come back to that. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. That would scare some people. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Israel appeared to be beginning to understand what was their spiritual condition. What kind of bones were they? Dry bones. As you looked upon the valley, they appeared lifeless. Can these bones live? Is the question. If your spiritual condition is as dry bones... This story is for you. Because God can breathe life into you. Are you as dry bones? It's time to live again in Jesus. And the story says that bone came upon bone and flesh and sinew. Now there's a point here that is interesting. They were standing. They appeared to be alive because they were standing. It appeared to be a person. And I bring to you this for your consideration. Are you a person that appears to be a Christian? But there's really no spiritual life in you. You come to church. You sit there. Maybe look at your phone while the preaching is going on. 
looking at other things that have nothing to do with the scriptures, you're not following the text, you're looking at other things. Or perhaps your thoughts are somewhere else and you're in church. You hear someone say amen and it triggers something, oh, amen. But you didn't really hear it. But they said amen, so I must say amen also. Could it be that this is you? Could it be that when they say, let's go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it's the first time in the week you open your Bible? Be careful because the devil knows how to deceive. He knows how to deceive. He can keep you occupied, he can keep you entertained. He can lead you to a spiritual sleep or a spiritual death so that you appear to be Christian. And he can try to bring you to an experience that you think, I am as dry bones. There is no hope for me. But God says, no. Bone upon bone, flesh, sinew, and then breathe. The spirit of life into this person. Do you want to come back to life? You want the Lord to do this for you? Revive you? Give you that joy of salvation? That desire to study the scriptures? That you don't have to be prompted at church. Let us go to Mark chapter 4 verse 35. No. At home or wherever you may be, I need to connect with the Lord. I need the Lord. Because the devil knows how to deceive. Oh, yes, he can keep you entertained with videos that make you laugh. But that is not the joy of the Lord. And you will be dry and without peace. And the Lord says, it's time for life to come into you. Will you accept that invitation of the Lord? The Lord is calling you to this experience in Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel chapter 18, there is another question. There is another question that the Lord made with, for the people of Israel. But I ask this question to you. Ezekiel 18, beginning in verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went to the potter's house. And there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel. Can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So my question to you is, will you allow the Lord to take you, mold you, and shape you into what you should be by his grace and by his Holy Spirit? So the Lord is asking you, Will you allow me to do with you as the potter does with this clay? 
If your answer is yes, you will be the happiest you could ever be. Because with the Lord, there's a joy, happiness, and peace that cannot be compared. So I encourage you, allow the Lord to do this for you. We are now coming to the words where many can say amen. The final passage has come. I have to pick between two. And may the Lord guide this choice. We're going to go to the question that is found in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Let us begin in verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. By reading this text, you will remember that there was a saying in those days that there was an angel that came to the pool and move the waters. And the first person to step into the water was healed of whatever disease he or she had. And this man was at this pool for 38 years. Could not walk, could not move with the speed others could. He could drag himself probably across, but he was not able to get there before the others. 38 years. And I don't know how long you've been dealing with something, whatever this is. But Jesus is here that can take care of this for you. And the question he asked of this man, Jesus asked of you. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, this is an interesting declaration this man makes. He was there, apparently beginning to lose hope. Sir, 38 years waiting. 38 years maybe trying to get there. Hoping that he could be the first. Hoping he could be the first. But was not making it. 38 years beginning to lose hope. But he didn't know who he was talking to. Because when Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? He wasn't talking to him, oh, I'll be here with you so when the water is moved, I will make sure you get in there first. No, the healer, the deliverer was there. And you don't have to wait for any special time to be healed. You can be healed right now. And I say to you, you can be healed 
right now. The Lord Jesus can give you victory right now. So the question is for you. That I believe the Lord is giving me permission to ask you, do you want to be made well? Have victory over that thing, whatever it is, that 38 years or perhaps more has had control over you. Do you want to be made well? Yes, you can play. So, I read to you verse 7 again. The sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. We are here at a point that you, you don't lose your opportunity because somebody else is made well. Every one of us can be made well. Praise the Lord. Every one of us can be made well. And you listening online, whenever you're listening, whether live or in a recorded condition, you can be made well. And when we pray, I invite you to pray and ask the Lord to do this for you. So every one of us can be made well. We don't lose the opportunity because someone else is made well. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. We don't have a, a, a story where the man continues to say, well, so, well, Lord, I can't walk. I can't do it. I, I can't. No. The man heard the words of Jesus. And his face, as he looked upon Jesus and hearing the words, the command was, rise, take up your bed and walk. Believing that he who said it had power. The man made the effort which the Lord blessed and the miracle happened. So if you will make the effort to say, yes, Lord, I believe you can do this. Healing will take place. Spiritual healing. Physical healing. And immediately the man was made well. And the evidence of this was that he took up his bed Will you walk in victory through Jesus? So as we sing the very last hymn, I invite you that if you, are tell, if you want to tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to take me as clay and mold me. If your message to the Lord is, Lord, I want to be made well, I encourage you to come to the front. If you want to say to the Lord, Lord, I choose to be with you because I understand there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I want to be made well. I want to be forgiven. And the Lord will do this for you. Is there anyone that would like to respond to this call of the Lord? Lord, I want to be healed spiritually or physically. If you want to say to the Lord, Lord, take me as clay and mold me into it, I invite you to come to the front and we may have a prayer of dedication. 
a prayer of commitment and to say to the Lord, Lord, make me anew, mold me into your likeness. Praise the Lord. I join with you. It's a call of the Lord calling upon you. It is not I, but Jesus that calls upon you. Do you want to be made whole? Praise the Lord for your decisions. The Lord loves us with infinite love. So I encourage you to make your decision for Jesus. There are victories to be won. There is peace that he wants to give to each and every one of us. But while we remain in those things, that peace will only be an invitation. It will only be an invitation to enter into that experience with Jesus of rejoicing and having a hope a hope that the world cannot take away. The devil cannot take away. Praise the Lord for that. He can try to blind us. He can try to distract us. He can try to entertain us so that we do not accept the call of the Lord. But the invitation is there and has not been removed. Praise the Lord for that. But the time will come just as the doors of the ark closed, the door of opportunity will close. And just as the people that were outside the ark were crying for help to get in, there will be some left out. But praise the Lord, we can do this today. I am going to pray. I like to, I'm going to kneel, so if it's possible for you, possible for you to join me, if, you're not, if not, you may remain standing. Let us pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the question that Jesus is asking of every one of us. Do you want to be made well? And Lord, we pray that you will look upon every person that has decided to be made well, that has decided to say, yes, I want to be molded, and that you will take me as clay and mold me the way you want me to be. We thank you, Lord, that the past can be a past. It doesn't have to be a part of our present or our future. We thank you, Lord, that forgiveness for sins is forgiveness of sins and that we are forgiven and cleansed through the blood of the Lamb and that we are redeemed, redeemed completely by the blood of the Lamb. And Heavenly Father, I call upon you to fulfill your promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do this for your children, Lord, that as they are confessing their sins, even now, cleanse them by the blood of the Lamb. 
And Lord, we pray for healing spiritually and for those that need healing physically. If you are willing, make them whole. We pray that this will be a reality for those that are seeking also that physical healing. Thank you, Lord, that the door of mercy is still open. And we praise you for your goodness and mercy to us. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to so live our lives that others will be drawn to Jesus. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen.